Section 14 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Greedy Jackal Caught Once on a time when Brahmadatta was reigning in Banaras, the Bodhisatta was reborn into life as a jackal and dwelt in the forest by the riverside. Now an old elephant died by the banks of the Ganges, and the jackal, finding the carcass, congratulated himself on lighting upon such a store of meat. First he bit the trunk, but that was like biting a plough-handle. "'There's no eating here,' said the jackal, and took a bite at a tusk. But that was like biting bones. Then he tried an ear, but that was like chewing the rim of a winnowing basket. So he fell too on the stomach, but found it as tough as a grain basket. The feet were no better, for they were like a mortar. Next he tried the tail, but that was like the pestle. "'That won't do either,' said the jackal, and having failed elsewhere to find a toothsome part, he tried the rear and found that like eating a soft cake. "'At last,' said he, "'I found the right place,' and ate his way right into the belly, where he made a plenteous meal off the kidney's heart and the rest, quenching his thirst with the blood. And when night came on, he lay down aside. As he lay there, the thought came into the jackal's mind. This carcass is both meat and house to me, and wherefore should I leave it? So there he stopped and dwelt in the elephant's innards, eating away. Time wore on till the summer sun and the summer winds dried and shrank the elephant's hide, until the entrance by which the jackal had got in was closed and the interior was in utter darkness. Thus the jackal was, as it were, cut off from the world and confined in the inner space between the worlds. After the hide, the flesh dried up and the blood was exhausted. In a frenzy of despair, he rushed to and fro, beating against his prison walls in the fruitless endeavor to escape. But as he bobbed up and down inside like a ball of rice in a boiling saucepan, soon a tempest broke and the downpour moistened the shell of the carcass and restored it to its former state till light shone like a star through the way by which the jackal had got in. "'Saved! Saved!' cried the jackal, and backing into the elephant's head, made a rush head first at the outlet. He managed to get through, it is true, but only by leaving all his hair on the way. And first he ran, then he halted, and then sat down and surveyed his hairless body, now smooth as a palm-stem. "'Ah!' he exclaimed, this misfortune has befallen me because of my greed and my greed alone. Henceforth I will not be greedy nor ever again get into the carcass of an elephant. And this terror found expression in this stanza. Once bitten, twice shy, ah, great was my fear, of elephants inwards, henceforth I'll steer clear. And with these words the jackal made off, nor did he ever again so much as look either at that or at any other elephant's carcass, and thenceforth he was never greedy again. The Rash Magician Once on a time when Brahmadatta was reigning in Benares, the Bodhisatta was born into the family of a wealthy Brahmin. Arriving at years of discretion, he went to study at Takasila, where he received a complete education. In Benares, as a teacher, he enjoyed worldwide fame, and had five hundred young Brahmins as pupils. Among these was one named Sanjiva, 
to whom the Bodhisattva taught the spell for raising the dead to life. But though the young man was taught this, he was not taught the counter-charm. Proud of his new power, he went with his fellow pupils to the forestwood gathering, and there came on a dead tiger. "'Now see me bring this tiger to life again,' said he. "'You can't,' said they. "'You look, and you will see me do it.' "'Well, if you can, do so,' said they, and climbed up in a tree forthwith. Then Sanjiva repeated his charm and struck the dead tiger with a potsherd. Up started the tiger, and quick as lightning sprang at Sanjiva, and bit him on the throat, killing him outright. Dead fell the tiger then and there, and dead fell Sanjiva too at the same spot. So there the two lay dead, side by side. The young Brahmins took their wood and went back to their master, to whom they told the story. "'My dear pupils,' said he, "'mark herein how by reason of showing favour to the sinful and paying honour where it was not due, he has brought all this calamity upon himself.' And so saying, he uttered this stanza, "'Befriend a villain, aid him in his need, and like that tiger which Sanjeeva raised to life,' He straight devours you for your pains. Such was the Bodhisattva's lesson to the young Brahmins, and after a life of almsgiving and other good deeds, he passed away to fare according to his deserts. THE TWO GOOD KINGS Once upon a time, when Brahmadatta was king of Benares, the Bodhisattva was conceived by his queen consort, and the ceremonies proper to her state having been duly done, she was afterwards safely delivered. On his name-day, the name they gave him was Prince Brahmadatta. In course of time he grew up, and at sixteen years went to Takisila for his education, where he mastered all branches of learning, and on his father's death he became king in his stead, and ruled with uprightness and all rectitude, administering justice with no regard had to his own will or whim and as he ruled thus justly, his ministers on their part were also just. Thus, while all things were justly done, there was none who brought a false suit into court. Presently all the bustle of suitors caused within the precincts of the palace. All day long the ministers might sit on the bench and go away without seeing a single suitor. The courts were deserted. Then the Bodhisattva thought to himself, because of my just government, not one suitor comes to try issue in court. The old hubbub is quiet, the courts of law are deserted. Now I must search whether I have any fault in me, which, if I find, I will eschew it and live a good life hereafter. From that time he tried continually to find some one who would tell him of a fault, but of all who were about him at court he could not find one such. Nothing could he hear but good of himself. Perhaps, thought he, they are all so much afraid of me that they say no ill of me but only good. And so he went about to try those who were outside his walls. But with these it was just the same. Then he made inquisition of the citizens at large, and outside the city questioned those who belonged to the suburbs at the four city gates. Still there was none who had any fault to find, Nothing but praises could he hear. Lastly, with intent to try the countryside, he entrusted all government to his ministers, and mounted in his carriage, and taking only the driver with him, left the city in disguise. 
all the country he traversed even to the frontier but not a fault-finder could he light upon all he could hear was only his own praises so back he turned from the marches and set his face homewards again by the high road now it fortuned that at this very time malika the king of kosala had done the very same thing he too was a just king and he had been searching for his faults but amongst those about him there was none who had any fault to find and hearing nothing but praise he had been making enquiry throughout all the country and had but then arrived at the same spot these two met in a place where the carriage road was deeply sunk between two banks and there was no room for one carriage to pass another get your carriage out of the way said king malika's driver to the driver of the king of benares no no said he out of the way with yours know that in this carriage sits the great monarch brahmadatta lord of the kingdom of benares not so driver replied the other in this carriage sits the great king malika lord of the realm of kosala it is for you to make way and to give place to the carriage of our king why here's a king too thought the driver of the king of benares what in the world is to be done then a thought struck him he would inquire what should be the age of the two kings so that the younger should give way to the elder and he made inquiry of the other driver how old his king was but he learnt that both were of the same age thereupon he asked the extent of this king's power wealth and glory and all points touching his caste and clan and his family discovering that both of them had a country three hundred leagues long and that they were alike in power wealth glory and the nature of their family and lineage then he bethought him that place might be given to the better man so we requested that the other driver should describe his master's virtues the man replied by the first verse of poetry following in which he set forth his monarch's faults as though they were so many virtues rough to the rough king malika the mild with mildness sways masters the good by goodness and the bad with badness pays give place give place o driver such are this monarch's ways oh said the man of the king of benares is that all you have to say about your king's virtues yes said the other if these are his virtues what must his vices be vices be it then quoth he if you will but let us hear what your king's virtues may be like listen then rejoined the first and repeated the second verse he conquers wrath by mildness the bad with goodness sways by gifts the miser vanquishes and lies with truth repays give place give place o driver such are this monarch's ways at these words both king malika and his driver descended from their carriage and loosed the horses and moved it out of the way to give place to the king of benares then the king of benares gave good admonition to king malika saying thus and thus must you do after which he returned to benares and there gave alms and did good all his life till at the last he went to swell the hosts of heaven and king malika took the lesson to heart and after traversing the length and breadth of the land and lighting upon none who had any fault to find in him returned to his own city where he gave alms all his life and did good till at the end he too attained to heaven
End of section 14.